0: Well, hey, friends, and welcome to The Messy Table, an ordinary space for real women, imperfect stories, and the God who's constantly at work in our mess. So my name is Jen Jewel, and it is a joy to host this faith-fueled conversation-style podcast, which unleashes a fresh perspective of hope into your earbuds and your speakers every other Tuesday. Y'all, we are partnered with women of my church, Life Church where we're also huge fans of the YouVersion Bible app, God's Word literally in our back pockets for free in hundreds of languages wherever we go. And beyond that, we just absolutely love and value getting to lock arms with uniquely created, Jesus-loving women from all over the world. So wherever you're coming from and whatever your story, we are truly glad you're here. Guys, just today, I was reading Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth, and I got all excited. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18 says, If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. And all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself. And not only that, but and He gave us the ministry of reconciliation you it's not only amazing that He chooses to love us and save us and redeem us, but also that He's invited us into this story with Him, empowering us to invite others into this freedom and this sweet relationship with Him. And let me just tell you, our amazing guest today at The Messy Table has lived this out. Tony Collier is hilarious and wise and spicy. She has a super powerful story and she's running a women's ministry, and she's raising babies, and she's standing next to her husband as they lead and love their church. So if you could possibly use the reminder that God's constantly making things new, then grab your coffee, pull up a chair, and join me for a chat with Tony. All right. Well, Tony, we are so glad to have you. Welcome to The Messy Table. Yay! I'm so excited. Yay! I'm so excited. Well, before we dive all the way in, and we're going to dive all the way in, let me tell you. We all want to know just a little bit more about you. So if you would uh, tell us who you are, Mm -hmm. who you love, and just what you're all about. Okay. That's really good. Okay. So I'm originally from Houston, Texas. It's the best thing about me.
1: Okay. Uh, best state oh, in the world. I doubt that. I just want to say that best state in the world. We're a little crazy, but we stand for what we stand for, you know, <laughs> but I've been in Atlanta for woo, 11 years. Um, I have a seven-year-old strong-willed blessing. I'm a mom. She's a little wild. We yeah. call her strong-willed blessing to make us feel better about ourselves.
0: I love it. That's right. Um, my husband and I have a little boy on the way. Oh, my goodness. A boy. Oh, it's how fun to have one of each. That's what I'm
1: saying. I mean, it was a gift. I didn't cry when I found out I was pregnant, but I cried when I found out I was a boy. I was like, oh, my God. Yes. So we're super excited. I am um, married to the actual love of my life who played a major role in my redemption story with love. Uh, But I get to stand alongside him and serve our church as he leads um, Hillsong Atlanta. What? And I get to lead a women's ministry called Broken Crayons, Still Color. We're just helping women process through brokenness yeah. and get on the other side to hope. That's all is going on. I love so we it. We have like communities and resources and all things. But the gist of it is we're just we're with women in the valleys, but we won't leave them there. Mm. So we create resources to help them get out. And mm. so that's what we get to do. And I travel and speak and
0: Right? Yes. And yeah. We're going to get into it. A little wild. (laughs) A little wild. But here I am. Okay. So I want to know what's been your weirdest pregnancy craving? You know. Okay. This is kind of weird. This is kind of weird. There's some like junk food that's
1: kind of up on the rise. So like pepperoni pizza, not really a pepperoni girl, but definitely had a pepperoni pizza
0: in my car. Mm. And Burger King. Come on. I feel nasty. (laughs) I know. I feel nasty. (laughs) Isn't it funny? So with my daughter, I wanted sweet like fruit and also like uh, chocolate milkshakes. Yeah. But then with my son, I wanted all the like meat and cheese, everything. Oh, a little save reaction. So maybe it's a boy thing. I guess so. Because
1: Lord, (laughs) so much Burger King. So much Burger King. And you just moved, right? So you're pregnant and you moved. Pregnant. Did move. Boxes and bags still down here because I just can't lift anything. So we were just getting some people to come and
0: help us unpack. But yeah, it was a doozy to move. I tell you that much. (laughs) Yeah, I bet. All right. Well, we just want to jump into it. So you have a story, friend. She has a story. And I know it's loaded. I know you can't unpack everything in this limited time. But this is the messy table. So for you, we would just love to hear when have things been especially challenging and uh, messy. Yeah.
1: I love that. Let's have right in. I kind of maybe have this to the T. So let's see if I can nutshell it. Um, So grew up in Houston, Texas, blended family. I would say one of my life changing moments was when my mom had a massive stroke and our whole family just kind of broke apart. We're a blended family. My brothers went to go live with their moms. Mm. Um, It was really, really tough. And my dad went into overdrive at work. And I took care of my mom since I was eight years old and driving to doctor's appointments at 12, giving her her medicine, changing her, cleaning her. And it just really kind of had me grow up really, really quickly. Mm. But it also, on the shadow side, I missed a lot of my childhood. And so... With that, ended up losing my virginity at 13, mm-hmm. and I started to try to numb with drugs and alcohol at 14, but I was kind of living this double life because I really want my dad to be proud of me and all the things that I did, because I'm a three on the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. Shout out to the achievers. <laughs> um, but in your unhealthy state, it's wild, okay? <laughs> um, and it's, so it just is wild. And kind of lived this double life, like captain of the cheerleading team, but sleeping with guys and partying and drinking. Mm-hmm. Left my parents' house at 16, graduated high school, put myself through college wow. and just was wild. But again, living this double life mm-hmm. that I was going to be a lawyer. Uh, at 19, I graduated college and was supposed to go to law school and took said law school money and moved me in my four month boyfriend of four months (laughs) to Atlanta. Mm. Okay, so that's what brought you to Atlanta. So, hey, Georgia. (laughs) So came to Atlanta and ended up being a, a really toxic and abusive relationship. But I was too filled with shame and probably a whole bunch of pride to say anything about it. And so just kept going, ended up marrying this guy, had a kid. We were Baroque. We were on WIC and food stamps and financial assistance from the church I worked at. Got saved at 21, so fresh off the Salvation Bus. Hello, somebody. Mm. But ended up getting poured into by a youth pastor and just really trying to clean up my life, but still living that double life of ministry on stage, speaking in high schools and middle schools, growing this youth ministry, became a youth pastor, and then fighting at home and having a really hard home life. And the church uh, ended up being really just spiritually abusive So just so much abuse around me. And I finally just mustered up the strength to transition out of the church, ended up getting a divorce, trying to do my best to care for my daughter and I, Mm -hmm. and thought my ministry life was over. And then God was like, surprise, girl. Ended up at North Point Ministries under the leadership of Andy Stanley, went on Mm -hmm. a five-year healing journey, started speaking again, got back on stage again, and now I'm here trying to, I guess, do my best to tell people that their brokenness doesn't discount them, Mm -hmm. not because it sounds cute, but because I actually went through it. And so, wow, there you go. Now, when did you meet your husband? Now, I met Sweet Sammy at North Point, actually. okay, I was going for a meeting and I met this random guy and he was like, who was that girl? And I was like, "Mm, No. I've been through a divorce. I'm not trying to do nothing of the sort. <laughs> I'm a single mom. I'm, and honestly, it, it was both insecurity and pride because I was like, I've got a daughter. He's gonna be like, okay, who's this chick? She's a little too messy for me. Mm. And man, time went by and we started dating and got married very quickly after we started dating, mm. which is a little wild. We got eloped and then we told all of our friends and they were like, <laughs> What are you talking about? We were like, We were in love. So very passionate people were very similar. And Uh that was a little crazy. So I got into counseling, did a bunch of intensives and got some mentoring.
0: And it's been a
1: beautiful five years ever since. Wow.
0: Yeah. Okay. There's so much there. There is so much. I want to go. All the things. That. Well, I want to go back to a lot of things, but (laughs) let's start with, so you had a lot of brokenness in your past. Yeah. And then, you know, you kind of just said, and then I got saved. Mm -hmm. Like, what was that like? Man, weird. It was so weird because I probably was still a little high.
1: Okay. I'm just gonna be honest about that. Oh my goodness, yeah. I love that. But I still did roll up in that mug a little crazy. But um <laughs> it was crazy. I, it was just you know, a youth pastor, first mentor who still works with us in ministry, which is just so crazy to see that just God kind of do a 180 there. But um, I just remember him saying, like, you just got something in you. Like, I think you're supposed to do ministry. And my dad had always said ministry, ministry, ministry. And I was like, Oh no, nah, I'm gonna be a lawyer. And I remember volunteering at a youth like, lock-in, and all of a sudden, I've got like all these middle schoolers and high schoolers around me, and I'm like freestyling because I kind of like to rap a little bit. And he's looking at me, and he's like, man, these youth, they love you, probably because you're kind of crazy, mm-hmm. but also because you have light in you. Mm-hmm. And the question is, are you going to lean and press into the light that's already in you, mm-hmm. or are you just going to keep destroying your life? And that was it. It was a person, a mentor, a sponsor that said, Tony, there's something in you. And while maybe you don't see it, I do. Let me help you um, until you do see it and you believe it. And it was beautiful. I was at a little church service crying my heart out at the altar. Oh, wow. I, like, I don't want to be saved.
0: Yeah. So yeah. I love that you said I was a little high. Uh, so I have a friend who is actually stripping. She was in the sex industry whenever she got saved. But mm-hmm. then it still took her about a year to kind of really get out of that lifestyle. Oh, yeah. And so what was that process like for you as far as like, okay, I have some old habits. I have a lot of wounds. You know, obviously, you said it was a Did you say a five-year healing journey? Yeah, yeah, girl, yeah. And we're all, right, still in process. So don't get me wrong. Journeying. Yeah, for sure. You know, it was
1: really difficult. One of the things we say to our women, like in our courses and communities now, is it is very, very difficult, almost impossible to heal in the environment or relationship that broke you in the first place. Hmm. And what happened was as I was getting saved and I'm, you know, in this really broken marriage It kind of always felt like I was a fan, not a follower of Jesus. Okay. I had a whole bunch of talent. So stage life was super easy, but I was still broke. I was still not flourishing. I was still battling with anxiety. I was still battling with with quitting smoking and drinking. And Mm -hmm. it was, again, this double life. And I remember when I transitioned from my church, when I went through with the divorce to, to bring me my daughter into a safe place, I finally really started to switch over because what was happening is I was trying to heal and grow in a broken environment Mm. and not like just your average broken world. I mean, yes, we all live in a broken world, all the things, but no, I mean, in an abusive, toxic, manipulative environment, it's very difficult to do that. And so I would say it took me about three years to get out of that environment to then start the real work of a five-year healing journey in counseling with actual resources and healthy community around me at a healthy church with leadership that actually pointed to Jesus and not themselves. And so, I mean, yeah, it was was really just long and hard, Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't know. I I love it because I look back now and I'm like, gosh, I value Jesus and I value redemption and restoration so much more Mm -hmm. because I know what it feels like to not to be in the middle of it, trying to figure it out and to come out on the other side.
0: And, It's been really beautiful and hard. It's been hard. (laughs) Well, people are always asking for evidence for God. And I think when you look at your life and see the fruit, it's evident. But I think an important point that you kind of mentioned in a roundabout way is that salvation and healing are two separate things, right? So Jesus saves us right where we are. But then the process, the ongoing process of healing is just, it is that. It's just a process. Yeah. And I would even add a third one too. I think
1: that there's salvation, then there's sanctification. Yeah. And then girl. there's this healing journey because that's true. You know, we are not a monolithic people. We are, we've got our minds, we've got our emotions, we've got our souls, we've got yeah. our hearts, we've got, you know, all these different aspects of us. And what happens is salvation to me at least is kind of like insurance. It's like, okay, you got a little bubble, you got a safe bubble here if something goes awry. Mm-hmm. But now you got to make sure you're safe on the road. You actually have to drive with some sense. Hmm. You got to watch out for other people. You have to be kind on the road. I have a little road rage. This is a great um, <laughs> example for me to self-convict here. Um, but it's it's that. and But then it's also, well, you got to learn how to drive. I mean, there's just so many aspects of it. And so with healing, what we tell people is your salvation is like, stop number one it's it's not almost not even the the starting line it's just nothing we little, can do for it Yeah, it's just getting your number you just get your little number on your chest before you go through the marathon here <laughs> when you get to the starting line that's this life of sanctification it's walking it out it's figuring it out as you go it's balancing pace and boundaries and people and then the healing journey is taking care of yourself That's good are you actually in good health yeah. to run this marathon you know
0: that's good and so, yeah, it's wild man. That's good. I heard someone talking recently about God's wrath and you know how much he hated sin and how mm. s- sometimes that's really hard for us to just grapple with and oh my gosh yes. b- And they were talking about though that God is against what hurts us. Yeah. Right. And so like we think of our husband, our kids, Mm. and, you know, if someone comes in and tries to hurt them, like you can't have real love, right? Without some form of wrath.
1: Mm, And so so I love what you're
0: saying, though, that the marathon journey, it's not about what we can do for our salvation, but it's it's about life and helping others, Mm. which is basically what you do, helping others find that freedom and get out of those toxic cycles, which is amazing. Yay! So I'm curious, how did you get to a point of really believing what God said about you?
1: Ooh, child. The first step was um, counseling. Mm -hmm. There was an awareness that I had to build on why do I keep ending up in abusive situations you know and and that awareness is going back into your past sitting up in somebody's counseling office processing through where did my wounds originate from mm-hmm. and how can I not? I love Dr. Anita Phillips says not necessarily heal them but almost like theoretically seal them so like with Jesus you've got these nails in his hands and feet and and yes, they are healed in the sense of we've got the skin back, but they're still present. Like you can see the wounds. So they really yeah. got sealed, right? And and so as we're like sealing our, our childhood wounds, what that does for us is it reminds us that they're there. It's the, you know, Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8. It's the thorn in the side. Mm. Paul's saying, I've got this thorn. It is a reminder of where I've been, but God's grace. And then I would say there was a moment when my counselor was like, I think you battle with insecurity. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I said, yeah, but I'm here to talk about trauma and pain. Like what, what, what's been done to me. Mm. And she's like, well, I think the reason why you're getting into these situations is because there's some deep things in you that becomes a magnet almost Mm. for these toxic environments. And so we got to get down to the root. And so I did this study. Um, It's called So Long Insecurity, You've Been a Bad Friend to Us by Beth Moore. Mm, oh, yeah. Yeah. I freaking lied, <laughs> changed my life. I mean, I couldn't believe, as a confident, extroverted type A girl living it up, how deeply insecure I was, mm. how I was a bottomless pit of security anytime someone would say something nice to me anytime I would get off stage because I was getting praise well like
0: you said you were living that double life Uh, hello somebody so there was a lot of good things going on as well yeah yeah yeah. but it wasn't sticking and that was kind of
1: like the start and I just there's something about healing our like fleshly um wounds that just like opens up our eyes to God's love Mm -hmm. because it's like, man, you love me through that crazy season of insecurity, man. You love me more than my performance and my performer's heart. And those are the moments when I started to become more aware about my brokenness that I was like, God is the realest man. This is crazy. Mm -hmm. He stuck by me. He Mm -hmm. stuck by my
0: side. Mm -hmm. So it was really great. I love that. And I love how you were talking about those wounds versus essentially those scars, right? Like wounds we hide Mm. and scars we show off and we tell the story.
1: Hey, (laughs) I love it. It it literally, I mean, as we deep dive into the second Corinthians passage, Paul literally shows the church of Corinth, Mm -hmm. this beautiful picture of what happens when we boast about our weaknesses. It literally Mm. says, he's saying that God is saying to this, the one in his side, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Our response to what God is saying to us is, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly so that Christ's power will rest on me. Amen. It's a formula. The louder we are about the things that break us, the more we get to point to God and say, look at what he's done, Mm -hmm. look at what he can do when we surrender that. Uh, but that comes from boasting about our weaknesses. I mean, it literally talks about it in the Bible. It's like, why y'all hiding all your stuff now? Okay. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to boast
0: about this. And um, so, yeah, that's what we got to do. So weird. The human nature where we do just want to like show our best. Oh, yes. But there's so much power in, I think, sharing the realness and showing how God has truly mm. shown up in our real mess, yeah. which he did for you. And yeah. was it during those years of healing when you were a single mom? A little bit. So at the beginning, I was. And
1: then we get married, get eloped out here super, super fast, Mm -hmm. um, which Andy Stanley and all of our mentors advised against. Just want (laughs) to put that out there. Shout out to you guys. Thank y'all. Thank
0: you for your wisdom. It seemed like it worked out. Hard journey. Let me just say that.
1: (laughs) I I remember we went up to Andy and we were like, we just want to say. You're right. It was a lot harder than we thought it was going to be. We made it through. Mm -hmm. But it was harder And it probably was hard because Tony was still healing. Hmm. And so, yes, I ended up getting married, started or continued to heal. And it was so hard. I mean, the insecurity piece in itself made me view my husband, Sam, as my savior. Hmm. And he can't hold that mantle and that weight. And so it was really weighty for him at the beginning to have a wife who looked to him as her earthly God. And you're my savior. You have to do this right. You can never hurt my feelings. I mm. have placed the mantle of God on him wow. um, because of my own insecurities. And so that was a really, really hard journey of recognizing my codependency with him. Him being like, OK, I want to help. But this is a little crazy. Yeah. Um, I want to be your husband, not your God. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not your Holy Spirit, sweet girl. Mm. And <laughs> I'm just not. I'm not, I'm not. And it was tough. I mean, it was so hard. It's really difficult to be married in healing. It's really difficult to be a mom in healing. Yeah, You're trying to heal your childhood wounds while trying to raise your child not to have those same wounds. Hello, somebody.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it is difficult. And it put a real strain on our marriage. And I'm just glad he's strong and resilient and honestly, spiritually mature enough to continue to say, no, it cannot be me. It's got
0: to be God. You got to go find that. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Man. So, would you say that there was like one big turning point or just an overall journey and process, like day by day? Yeah. No, there definitely was a point. I remember we were sitting in our office
1: and he
0: was like, Hey, so I think you
1: really need to get like more than counseling, like trauma. kind of like counseling and I was like what no I don't I don't need that and I mean I was so insecure that I was protective of my image that I was prideful um, which is one of the roots of pride and I was like no I don't need that I don't know what you're talking about and he's like listen I am with you I want to be on this journey with you Mm -hmm. I want to take care of you and your daughter but we're just not going to make it if you don't really get healing yeah and It was a hard moment. It's so difficult to want to fight for something that's so good when there's something or a ton of things so dark haunting you. Yeah. And it was tough. And I remember I went to my counselor. I was like, I think I need something stronger.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Give me the strong stuff. Give me
1: the strong stuff. And it was tough, man. EMDR, trauma treatment. It was a really, really tough journey. Healing is
0: not linear and always painful. Mm hmm. I think some people think, though, that like the moment that God saves your soul, that snap, everything should be better. And clearly that's not your experience. So how do you fight that myth?
1: Well, I, I think it's this is going to sound so cheesy. So sorry, guys. But I really do think it is in reading the Bible for its natural context.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Oftentimes we look at the Bible as if, you know, we look at John chapter eight. Were the woman who committed adultery and we think it's just like the quickest little thing that happened, Quick right? Fix, like yeah, they went, right. They went, they drug her from the house. They went to the synagogues. They flapped her in front of Jesus. Mm. And he was like, no, 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 don't judge. He that, you know, have never sinned. You throw the first stone type yeah. thing. And then it was just like, Go, daughter. Live a life of grace and truth. Send no more. We don't know that girl's story. Right. We don't know what she went battle with. We don't know who she went have sex with. Right. We don't. We don't even know how long it took from the house that she was taken from, with the little tent, or little doho brick, or whatever it was, <laughs> to the synagogue. We don't even know how long that took. Yeah. And so we we look at these stories. And then we start to look at movies and we start to look at reels where things just magically morph and our sense of time becomes very earthly because a thousand years to us is just could be like a blink to God and vice versa. And so I think we really have to begin to understand how many years Mm. and the movement of the biblical narrative and, and what people actually were suffering through with time. Um, And then I also think, and I say this all the time, we cannot fall into the pain comparison trap. We just cannot do it. And what that simply means is we have women all the time in our groups who are sharing their stories and then they look at this other woman and it's like she's bounced back so quick. Hmm. And we have no context for what even state that they're in. If they're in a traumatic state, a severe state or a mild or moderate state, we have no context for, you know, for me, who, you know, I'm, I've am i been through a lot of trauma. And so sirens don't really bother me. Emergency rooms don't bother me. Like really tough stuff doesn't bother me. Well, then we've got my friends who've never been around violence, drugs, alcohol, and that stuff's super sensitive to them. Mm-hmm. And so if something were to happen to them in that space, it would trigger them probably more. Well, I'm going to look at them like, Lord Jesus, you are weak. Like what you got going on? And it's like, well, no, no, no. I'm experiencing pain at a greater frequency because of my story. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think we just have to remember that we don't have to fall into this pain comparison trap. And this is going to suck to hear maybe, but again, healing is never linear. And it's very, very painful. And there is no timeline. Yeah. That that you could be healing
0: until you go meet Jesus. So <laughs> He's coming. It's going to happen. Oh, sometimes I'm like, Lord, please come. On. I'm ready.
1: I'm yeah. ready. Where are we going?
0: Well, and Paul talks about fighting the good fight. Mm-hmm. That's not passive. He
1: fought until he died. Yeah. He never didn't fight.
0: Yeah. And we don't want to fight. Mm hmm. Well, it really impacts me when you talk about that nothing is instant. And just I've been thinking about that a lot lately, too, in scripture when I'm reading some story and you think this was years like we get the very quick synopsis. And oftentimes we don't get a lot of details. Unfortunately, we just kind of hear like, oh, yeah, this bad thing happened. Then this good thing happened or it was bad. And then Jesus and then it was still kind of bad, you know. And so but I think that that's a word of like, man. We got to be in it for the long haul. Mm, that's so good. And he's with us for the long haul. For the long haul. For sure. hundred percent.
1: Yeah. I also think it's hard to track healing too, mm. because you don't know how you're going to respond to something that has triggered you in the past if it doesn't trigger you again. And you can't really tell where you are on that healing journey. But I think that's the power of community. It's the power of people reminding you where you came from. It's the power of writing things down and having a journal. That's good. Um, it's the power of having a counselor. My counselor does a great job at saying, hey, I just want to point something out real quick. When we talked about this aspect of your life three months ago, you were a puddle. Oh, that's good. You couldn't even get through the conversation. We, we had to like bring you back down into your normal window of tolerance is what it's called because you kept peeking. And now we don't even have to do that. I love that. Yeah. I just want to take a moment to like, just recognize that. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, look
0: at me go. Look and at my me. three's all happy. I'm yeah. like,
1: thank, well, I just want to thank my mom and dad. <laughs> <So> <laughs> Give
0: good. your Grammy speech. I know. Yes. That's good. And you know, that's something that we can do to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And then also to our community, our, yep. our people, yep. you know, is remind them where they've been, yeah. how far they've come. That's good. Yeah, that's good. It's so, so good. We know the enemy can't create anything new, mm-hmm. but he twists and distorts and perverts what's already there, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. his native tongue is to deceive, which is just the most irritating thing to me because I hate... So ratchet. Lying. <laughs> yes. So from your own life... I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, I hate like lies being thrown at me, I guess. Yeah. So yep, from your own life and from hearing so many stories of other women, what reoccurring, I guess, accusations... Mm do you hear a lot that keep people stuck?
1: Mm, that's really good. One of the most powerful things I've heard about the enemy came from my friend, Cassandra Spears. She has a, um, a ministry called Hard and Holy. It's so good. She said, you know, girls, thieves don't steal from empty houses. Hmm. And one of the things that we have to realize is that when the enemy attacks and is lurking, it is quite genuinely because there's something that he's after. If you weren't pursuing healing and peace, he wouldn't attack your healing and peace. Mm. If you weren't pursuing wholeness in relationships, he wouldn't attack your marriage. So there's a battle here, but there's like a real war and a reason behind it. And that's good. And with that posture, we develop an awareness that the good things in our life and the light in our life has an attack of darkness coming against it. And so then we become prepared. We start living a life on the offense and not the defense. Mm. And that is what we have to remember that we have this enemy. He's attacking all the good things. And now we get to live a life on the offense, not the defense. One of the things I hear all the time, I would say the number one thing is I am not worthy. Yeah. For some odd reason. I mean, it's not some odd reason. There's a myriad of reasons. I I find women all the time and even men who don't voice it, but show it through other ways not feel worthy enough good enough polished enough clean enough yeah for the good and it comes from all the different ways it comes from the way that we've done church for so many years where we built a church for you know for the saints and it's like all you heathens you earthly heathens gotta stay out there you know and then we build the church for the unchurch, where it was like everybody just come but we're not going to really challenge anything. Uh, we're not going to try to heal. We're just going to preach. Just, yes, so good. When we really should have been building churches that practice vertical worship, hmm. where we're building a church for God. Yeah. We're building a church for God to dwell. And his presence will make all things new. And we can and that's it. We don't we could just do our part in building that. And what happens in that is people start to recognize that there is no earthly medal that you can get to deserve worthiness of God's love. Mm. So we've merited our faith. We've merited our religion. And now so now people think they have to earn it. And it's like, that is not how it works. And the enemy comes in and uses all of that. Mm -hmm. Well, you went to the club last night and you was having sex with everybody. So sorry, you're not worthy. And we say this in church from this day. I mean, Mm it just is what it is. Like, Mm -hmm. and the pastor is having an affair. And it's like, well, surprise guys, what happened? Are you not worthy anymore? And then we get pastors that fall, pastors that commit suicide because they believe this narrative themselves. And so the worthiness thing is such a big thing. And even with like the way that, social media runs it's like oh you're a hottie and you create great content that's why you have so much attention i'm gonna equate that earthly attention to godly attention Mm -hmm. (laughs) listen that's not the character of jesus this sucker was sitting with blind sick crippled ratchet nobody knew their names at their tables and loved them deeply and and so worth is just like the thing man it's like well i can't and if you don't believe that you can have hope If you don't believe that you deserve it, then you will never get to it. And the Mm. enemy keeps so
0: many women and men down with that.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: That's so good. Just remembering that like we aren't worthy and that's the truth. But he is because of Jesus. Um, We are enough. And I think something that I have to remind myself all the time is that this story of redemption is ours, like Mm. because God made it ours and he's, you know, creating and he's reshaping Mm. his people into his image for his glory. And so Mm. just, I think the reminder that it is a grand redemption story, but in order to have redemption, like we also have to realize we're not worthy on our own. We're not enough on our own that it it takes him for us to even have that. Mm.
1: I love it. And what I love so much about God is like, when we say yes to Jesus and what he did through his son, Jesus, goodness gracious, is that he gave us the badge of Sons and daughters, you're worthy into my kingdom. You're worthy for my love and admiration and strength because you said yes to me. Mm-hmm. And and it, uh, Jeff Henderson talks about this. He's an incredible pastor. He works with John Maxwell, but he talks about this idea of the pendulum of confident humility. And that's really what we're talking about here. It's yeah. being humble enough to recognize that we don't deserve All of this goodness, but confident enough when you say yes to Jesus that we become worthy sons and daughters of His love. Yes, there's a lot of idiosyncrasy in that, but it's riding that pendulum. Well, it's like I don't deserve grace, I don't deserve mercy, but when I said yes to Jesus and got in right relationship with Him, I became a worthy son and daughter of the good in my life. Yes, and and I don't have to suffer Mm
0: -hmm. in
1: in ways in earthly ways. I mean, we're gonna suffer for the gospel. Hello, somebody, but. (laughs) I don't have to suffer in earthly ways and be abused. Mm -hmm. And
0: I don't have to do that because I'm a son and a daughter of the most high. That's right. Yeah. Because some people stay stuck in that shame Mm -hmm. to where they don't have that humble confidence of like what God is saying to be true and who he says we are. Like, do I believe it? Do I believe that he says that I'm forgiven and that I'm redeemed? Mm -hmm. Because that's a big part of it is, am I really going to trust and believe that what he says is true? Oh, it's so good. I'm telling you, I like, even in this moment,
1: I just hear just so many women. That's just like, I just don't think God loves me anymore. Like I'm not worthy of his love. Mm -hmm. I've done too much. I've hurt too many people. And I'm telling you that, that hopelessness. I mean, it's a really, I mean, those are the thoughts and the beliefs that lead to suicide, to suicidal ideation and thoughts, to Mm -hmm. depression, to anxiety. It's this this core belief that I do, I really just, I'm not worthy enough for God. And it's like, who told you that? Yeah. Lie. Mm-hmm. We are, we are his prized possession. So what do you do with it? You just have to call it out. Yeah. So you got to be aware. So th- this is, again, this is the the beauty of being in community. Mm-hmm. When women say that in our groups, we literally cut it off. And even in my, I am in a small group that is a therapy group and Anytime somebody says something like that, and the groom's like, uh, 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 we're going to rewind and we're going to say that differently. I like that. We're going to, we're going to denounce that and we're going to come on back mm-hmm. and let's just, let's not get it twisted. But again, this is, it's, it is a very, it's, it's a thin line between I deserve this yeah. and I'm, I feel worthy, you know? And so it's just this thin line and you, and you have to remind people, but it could be things like, oh, you know, I mean. I'm not really great at that. Nobody is ever going to choose me. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Mm-hmm. That's way, wait. Hold on. Let's back up. Let's back up. What's the core feeling? you, you Like, what is it? What, what exactly are you feeling here?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Worthiness. No one's ever going to choose me. You don't believe that about yourself. And there's power in your tongue because you actually don't feel worthy to be chosen. So let's back it up a little bit here. Mm-hmm. I am worthy to be chosen by God. And if he chooses me, it doesn't matter if anyone else chooses me on this earth. The, it's just about language and belief and wrestling with it. But it takes people to call that out when you can't call that out for so yourself. Because yeah. I surely wasn't just like, I believe all these lies that the enemy's telling me, but I got it. I'm gonna write some affirmations and feel good. No, mm-hmm. I needed people, <laughs> I needed Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like I needed to be able to like have an outside force look me in the eye and say, Tony, no, no, no. Yeah, you know, he gazes at you he gazes at your beautifulness and really he's just gazing at the reflection of himself that he's created on the
0: inside of you. Like I needed people to remind me of that, you know? Hmm. So yeah, that's good. We need daily bread. We need community, all those refining things. Well, and I think like I have an almost 13 year old and I think how would I talk to her? What would I tell her? Mm. And then, you know, sometimes I think we talk to our best friends and to our kids and to our husband so much better than we talk to ourselves. And maybe not even we don't even fully realize it, but mm. we just kind of say these little things to ourselves mm. as we go about our day.
1: Yeah. You know, this is what's so crazy about affirmations and then and then even counseling, like I have a Christian counselor. I've had non-Christian counselors in the past, but I remember one of my counselors Talking about this affirmation thing. And again, one of the most difficult things I've ever had to do was to heal as an adult my childhood wounds while raising a child. Yeah. And there was this crazy activity that my counselor had me do where I chose some words of affirmation to tell my daughter that I needed to hear as a little girl.
0: Hmm. Oh, wow. I know. That gives me goosebumps. I know.
1: I know. And even further, because I'm such a visual learner he had me get something like an object, a picture, uh, whatever from my childhood that brought good memories. So I had a really hard childhood, but like something that really like made me really happy. And it was Madeline. I don't know if you remember the show Madeline, it's like this little girl in like a little yellow raincoat with a little yellow hat. (laughs) She's in London in like a little orphanage. I don't know why it's Madeline, but it's Madeline. So I ordered this Madeline stuff Doll off of eBay. Mm-hmm. And I have these affirmations I'm telling my daughter. And every morning, Madeline's hanging out on the bookshelf. And I'm telling my daughter, You're smart and you're brave and you are good and you are kind and you're beautiful inside and out. God loves you. Jesus loves you. Your mm-hmm. family loves you. Mm-hmm. And over time, I am telling you, I get so emotional. Th- those things started to heal in me. Mm-hmm. And you just would be surprised at how powerful these little words are that my, I mean, my daughter's half asleep on the way to carpool Sis probably ain't even listening at all, (laughs) but I'm up in the car weeping, healing my little childhood wounds because the truth is a lot of the things that we believe about ourselves in the most negative ways has been planted in us by an enemy, by someone that wasn't healed themselves by a parent, by whatever, there's some people listening right now yeah. where there's probably a word that was spoken over you as a little girl or a little boy. And, and it's still, it's, it's literally breaking you today, mm-hmm. years and years later. Mm-hmm. And we've got to be on the offense, not the defense in trying to combat those lies that are, have been planted. And sometimes that's just like, you are smart yeah. and you're
0: good and you're kind. I love that. Um, and remembering those little things about us. That's so good. And you get to speak over women all the time, which I think is so beautiful. You are the perfect person for it, honestly. Mm. So you say broken crayons, still color. What does that mean to you? Girl, listen, it came from a horrific
1: story of my daughter with a 64 box of crayons in the living room. I left her with, (laughs) who came into the living room. I mean, she had just like robbed these crayons of their dignity. They were naked and all their little clothes was ripped off. It was crazy. But she had like written on the wall. I mean, it was just. I was like, okay, yeah. this is ratchet. But I'm dramatic, obviously. Keeping you humble. Obviously I'm super dramatic. Keep me humble. And I'm cleaning up like, you know, we had like the thick, nasty carpet, you know, like the, it kind of looks like baby dreads coming out of the ground. <laughs> And I'm like trying to <laughs> scoop up these crayons and they're like flipping over my hands because it's just so thick. The yeah. are thick. And I'm just crying. I'm like, this is my life. Like, I mean, just a, f- a whole dramatic moment. Then I go watch myself cry in the mirror because that's what a lot of us women do, because we're weird like that. I don't even know why. <laughs> um, it just that's is so I know. Oh my God. You just want to see how ugly we are. Like, oh my God, <laughs> this is crazy. I really do look pathetic. But <laughs> I look crazy. Um, and it literally was that night that I had to write this message for this middle school I was preaching at, and I was just scrolling on Instagram, and I literally scroll past this graphic that says "Broken Ground, Still Color," and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, Jesus! Like this is, is that? You? I, Jesus, is that? Hello!" <laughs> I write this message. I've got this Second Corinthians chapter twelve, verse nine scripture with Paul, and it's the most powerful message i would ever given my life, and I think. It was the first message that I was just honest mm-hmm. and broken and I was going through divorce. I was, I mean, there's so much going on. And I was just like, I don't have nothing for these kids. And honestly, this got to be the Lord because I don't have no type of strength. Mm-hmm. And it was just all God. And, and then I just kept doing it. I kept doing it different places and people were like, this is a message. This is a thing. Mm-hmm. And then it became a thing, like an actual thing. And it was like, we got to do something. So we created a blog, which is what you kind of do. You know, you're like, blog, yay. And then it became more than that. 3,000 women in our Facebook group, 16,000 people on our email list, 18,000 women on our Instagram. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. crazy. Mm-hmm. Thousands of women buying our resources. And so now we just get to take this little story of like, a kid ruining everything, you know, into, isn't that how our life is? Mm -hmm. Isn't like some of the most broken things still able to be used and redeemed. And it's just such a beautiful reflection of how God wants to use us and create beautiful things. Wow. Yeah. So what do you wish that women could know about themselves? Every woman. Mm. It's one line that I heard that probably changed my life forever at my first spiritual encounter. And it was, um that you are the period to earth's creation. Hmm. And it sounds really cool and everything, but when you really think about it, God created the earth and the moon, the stars and all the little fishies and all the little animals we don't even know because there's so many. Mm -hmm. And then he created land and trees and and then he created man. And he literally said, it just wasn't finished yet. Like it just wasn't complete, this earth. Hmm. And then he created woman. Yeah, and, and we were like the final breaststroke hmm. to earth's creation, the
0: period, the might drop. What a gift. <laughs> what a gift.
1: cool oh, when you start
0: thinking about it. It's great yeah. when
1: you're like, read the Bible and you're like, oh, we are.
0: Yeah.
1: It's us.
0: That's they good. Are. I like that you say it's us too, because I think sometimes we can read scripture or we can think about, you know, life and God and think, oh, well, that's for them. Right. That's true for them. I believe that for them. Yeah. But it's like, I'm a part of this story too. This is true for me. Yeah. It's true for me. (laughs) Me. A woman.
1: A whole woman, honey. Yeah. So that's the thing. I think that's like the core of what I want women to. It's, It's the North Star of knowing that how just like magnificent we are. And from that place of understanding that we literally finished the world, we get to realize the other things that we get to bask in because of that. When we say yes to Jesus, there is hope for us Hmm. that we don't just have to live in these valleys, but we can get to these mountains of hope. And it's just like that reminder of like, okay, like God thought of me. Hmm. God really thought of me when he created me. Um. In the grand scheme of the whole entire world. Because he could have just created like a zebra or something like that. Like a deer (laughs) zebra. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like a little, or he could have created like Tinkerbell or something. I mean, when you really just think about it, it could have been like a little fairy that was helping all the men, you know? (laughs) (laughs) it's like, well, I got something better than that. Mm -hmm. I got a whole woman out here.
0: That's right. And everyone's so unique. Like, I love just even seeing your strengths and your gifts and your personality and even with your background, but seeing how God truly has, you know, kind of what the enemy meant for evil, God has used for good in you. Mm -hmm. It's really just awesome to see. Mm -hmm. And obviously your perspective now I know is so different. Um, So when you think back to Tony before and when you think of Tony now that is confident and joyful and sharing God's grace with whoever will listen. Mm. Like, what do you feel that is just so different or what do you notice that is so different? Wow. There's something that I've always had and I lost it. Um, When
1: I was younger, my friends used to call me a Teletubby, which gosh, when we look back now, those things were so weird, you know, (laughs) but because I was just so happy all the time and I was going through some really hard things as a, as a kid, with my mom being sick and our family being just kind of all over the place. But I was just so happy, like Hmm. cheerleader, all just bouncing around everywhere. And somewhere around 12, 13, I started to lose that. I lost that. um, I lost that I hope I lost the hope that everything will work out, the hope that people are actually kind and they'll treat you with dignity and respect and honor. And and I think that's what brokenness does, Not only does it steal your hope, but it steals your outlook. It diminishes your trust in people and the goodness that's really in the earth flowing through us by the power of God. And I think now I've got that back. And so now when something crazy happens, when we catch flu and COVID for Christmas, when we got a move, when, you know, in the middle of our move, we we lose my my husband's um, mom and we have to bury mm. her in the middle of moving through all things. When, um, when all of this chaos comes, yeah, sure, I probably get a little anxious, okay? I've always battled with severe anxiety, but there's something that just tells me, like, it's just going to be okay. Mm. Like, no, 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 we're, we're going to get through this. Whereas before, I could easily go into depression, easily start having suicidal thoughts and ideation and easily just oh well it's over this one thing it's over it's it's kind of a mixture between hope and resilience hmm. that I just I I really do believe in my heart of hearts that everything is gonna work out. Like I just believe it and I've been poor and I believe that if I'm ever poor again it'll work out because it worked out before. Hmm. And I was like, whoa dang look at this. And so I, I think I just think I, I got my, my hope back, my little Teletubby back. I probably would never call myself a Teletubby <laughs> at this point, but
0: something magical, you know? Mm-hmm. So I love it. You have a little, um, oh, yeah, like yellow, like in the middle of your glasses, a little yellow spot. Oh, I do. Lala. And I just feel like it feels happy.
1: It is happy.
0: That used to be my favorite color.
1: And then it, you know what's more funny? This is kind of weird. My favorite color was yellow for the longest, obviously. Bright, fun, yay. Yeah. And then it became blue. It became blue. Like dark blue or like turquoise blue? It was like that sapphire kind of, like in the middle of dark, but kind of vibrant, you know? Mm -hmm. And then now it's neon peach. (laughs) Oh, I like it. Yeah. What a testament of just like- Sunrise, sunset.
0: Yeah. Like.
1: Oh, and those, I will pull over my car at any point- to look at the sun. I just, my daughter knows it. My husband, I'm like, Move, uh, uh, okay, go. I got to take a picture. I have so many sunset pictures, but it reminds me of God's like delight and joy
0: in us. Mm-hmm. So, so evident in your life.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, I could talk to you forever, but we would love to know if you have any resources that you just want to share, need to share with our people. Yeah.
1: Um, our group therapist, uh, Dr. Kurt Thompson, he is just seriously changed my life and he has a run of books it's the soul of shame and the soul of desire and it is biblical but it also talks about your neural pathways and how to reframe them and rewire your brain which all comes from god surprise hello surprise you guys Uh, so that's just really really great um we open our women's course up twice a year I mean, I think it's amazing. We don't claim to be the experts, but we can be a safe place that can point you there. It's amazing. And it's called the Hopeful Woman Course. It, it is. We're
0: going to link it up. we got to link People it up. People go find it.
1: Yeah. And, and the best way to get connected with that is through our, just our little Facebook group, the Broken Crayons Collective. It's 3,000 women in there praying and sharing scripture and talking Mm -hmm. about really hard things. And when you enter into the group, there's a prayer form. And we pray over those forms, every single one. All 3,000 women up in there have been prayed for. And it's really, really cool. So I'd say go there, get those books, get your life together. You battling with insecurity. You already heard it. So long insecurity. You've been a bad friend to us, Beth Moore. Yep. Rock your socks kind of book.
0: Woo. So those are some. Awesome. Well, I love how you're just using what, you know, the things that have been hard in your own life and just breathing life into others, God's life, you know, into others. So as we wrap up, would you just leave us with a final word of encouragement, advice, just whatever you want everyone to hear? Oh, Okay this is like a scripture I'm
1: really stuck on but it's um hopefully I don't misquote it goodness gracious it's, uh, Psalm 27:4 um it's David writing in the psalm and he's saying you know when the wars rage against him and when everyone's just like attacking him so when life is just crazy there's just one thing that he asks God for and it's it's not God take me out of the crazy please like help me it is that the one thing he wants is to dwell in the house of the Lord Mm. and to gaze on the beauty and the glory of God and I think I just want to remind us that we just got to sometimes refocus our gaze Mm. it's about who we're looking towards and what's beautiful about the scripture is that I just believe that as David was gazing at God he was gazing back at him Mm. and a gaze is intimate okay a gaze is mm. you ever tried to stare at somebody for five minutes in the eye it's very very awkward but it also becomes very very intimate very quickly after about two minutes and that's the thing like let's just keep our gaze on him mm. when all seems lost
0: and life rages against us Just gaze at your father who's gazing back at you love you so grateful for this time together thank you for speaking in to us Yay. we appreciate you we did it we did it Well, I really hate to say I told you so, but I told you, Tony is awesome. Y'all, as always, you can find all of the resources mentioned linked in the conversation notes. You can also subscribe for free wherever you like to stream. And we'd love to connect with you on Instagram at The Messy Table Podcast. Y'all, last but certainly not least, as you head back into your day and into your week, don't forget, yes, life is messy, but God is at work in your mess.